and welcome to For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and discuss it in depth. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30 a.m. on BFF.fm or subscribe to the podcast at ForTheRecordPodcast, all one word, dot com. This week we're talking about the second album from a Detroit singer-songwriter named Steph Chura called Midnight, and it starts out with a song called All I Do Is Lie. Steph Chura, where her name was unfortunately misspelled on the bill as Chef Chura at a South by Southwest day party where she was playing inside in a small room at Sheriff Charlie's. And she didn't sound like this. She had a really interesting voice, but I think her backing band was kind of traditional. And so I was very surprised to hear this record and that it was a lot more interesting than I expected. Yeah, she's bleeding with this voice that's hard to get a past that it's one of those you have to be on board or not. Mm-hmm. And but it is also one that while a little quirky, I think when one first arrives at it, there there is a lot of warmth here. And I, I think that voice, quirky, but with a lot of warmth, uh, reminds me a little of someone who I think is part of why this album sounds this way, which is that she's this is her second album. And her first album, I guess, got a lot of attention because uh, Will Toledo from Car Seat Headrest is the producer and also plays a guitar and a bunch of other instruments on these tracks and I think encouraged her to push the sound in a in a big way. Yeah, she said in interviews that he had a real hand she really trusted him to have a hand in how the song sounded and she kind of brought somewhat half finished songs to him and they worked on them together and she said he introduced some instrumentation that she might not have thought of. Yeah, it, it, it's a charming way she says that uh, my songwriting process is I wrote the song. It's done. It's perfect. <laughs> and so to have him come and say, well, maybe we can work on a little bit more and, and to, but also for still a pretty young artist himself, not to push it too far. And so that there's, I think a great balance here in this first track between the simplicity and the big sound of, and the polish and, and her voice is just processed enough at various points uh, and I think that increases over the course of the song. So emotionally, it feels kind of raw and exposed. And she's, she comes across as not weak, but very vulnerable. And over the course of the track, it kind of pivots to her, I think, really becoming more and more strident and big and kind of like, you can't hurt me. I If you, if you hurt me, I'll hurt you back in a way that's not happy but at least seizing her power in a good way and i think uh it's a great way to start the album next track we'll play and continues the the strong voice we hear here it's called scream (laughs) 
Dreaming of being nice I projected you on a screen No one could see a thing Oh no, if only you could hear me scream Frozen in a TV screen Oh no, you wanted to be everything I'm selective, I'm selective You can see it, it's protected And you know me, but I'm lonely Yes, I'm lonely If only you could hear me scream 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 first song is over five minutes long this song is less than half the length and it's i think very quickly establishing her range as a songwriter that you can have kind of this mid-tempo song that really stretches out and in fact uh i think the all i do is lie like ends at 3 30 and then it comes back for another minute or almost two minutes after that this song just gets going really quickly and yet there's still a lot of complexity like i like that it's first chorus and then just immediately into that second verse and but then we get some pre-chorus so it's not just repetition and that she's able to do a lot with a little bit of space and it's a wonderful aggression and you know a song about feeling kind of about expectations and feeling trapped and she is screaming and not not letting herself be contained. I like, I think this uh, song illustrates well that there's a lot of new wavy production on this record. And this song in particular reminds me a lot of the cars, but it's not in, it's not obvious in a way that is distracting because paired with the instrumentation and her vocals, which are so distinctive, it doesn't sound throwbacky at all. It sounds like it's her, it's a very organic sound that's coming from her emotions and I, I really like the way that her voice sounds almost unhinged and it, it's pretty, but it also it has sort of a threatening nature to it. Like she's really going to fly off the handle at any moment. Yeah, and there's I love this that kind of yeah, barely contained rage in there. And I think that it's you know she has kind of this interesting image as an artist where I think when we saw her, she's. You know, she wears glasses and she's kind of wearing a sweater and kind of this rock and roll librarian thing going. She has kind of a flat affect. Yeah, she seems very, yeah, just, yeah, Sardonic very, very deadpan. And very, yes. And then to see the video for this where she's wearing this cheerleader outfit and that she's kind of taking her image as an artist and kind of messing with it and subverting expectations because I think she has that, you know, the one look and then the different sounds and she can mix and match those to get the different effects she wants. But I think the deadpan effect is played most distinctively on the next song we'll play, which is called Method Man.
page, you can find the original versions of some of these songs, including this one. And it was a very short, very simple song. And the version that's on this record is basically the same song played through twice in very different styles. And so the part that we played there is the second part that is more kind of amped up and aggro. Yeah, I really enjoy the crazy just guitar kind of screeching and whining. And the entire song is so structurally strange where it's just this repeated description of this guy who really sounds like a piece of work. But then it's Red Bull. Yeah, just chugging Red Bull and ripping up a box of books and just being kind of a monster. And that it's just that over and over and over again. And so it's like verse or it's chorus, 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 verse, verse, chorus. Let's do it again. And Mm -hmm. it's very strange superficially kind of annoying but also a total earworm yeah and annoying in a way that it feels to be mansplained to and it's this very deadpan delivery delivery of this guy just like drinking red bull being like oh you wouldn't understand and then talking about how if you want it you can grab it like you just have to like go for it in your life and it's I, i i felt the irritation of being told that again and again by this type of average white guy yeah and it's she seems to be coming to you get the sense she's experienced people like this and that doesn't end anywhere great your life is a spindle and you watch it unravel and uh hopefully she moves on to bigger and better things certainly i think the the tone of the album i think there is there is room for songs that are a little less downbeat emotionally and while still being very upbeat musically this next track play will play i think is an example of that it's called jumping jack about my initial reaction to the song because I describe it as being emotionally kind of upbeat even though you know lyrically it seems to be about another like oh we don't really connect and we'll just agree to disagree but there's a feeling of hopefulness and positivity and it's just so bouncy that I I can't help but come away with a smile on my face even if if I think too hard about what's happening behind the scenes or the backstory maybe it's sad but it it feels good and that's I guess the power of good art is to take you know the dark reality and make us potentially very uplifting music so i just feel like i i listen to this song and i just i'm ready to get out there and it's it just does some quirky things the structurally it seems like it's chorus verse chorus versus you know the what we normally expect and there are i think a lot of cases in this in this album where the lyrics are kind of repetitive in ways that are unexpected and yet it doesn't feel repetitive and instead it just gives it this real momentum yeah i i really like this song i think this was probably my favorite track on the record although it's it's very poppy so that's probably predictable 
But I just, I like that her voice can take the sort of unhinged feel uh, that it does on Method Man, and then it can just feel like more of a pop vocal here. Yeah, yeah, Method Man, it's either punk rock, or if you hear the demo, it's almost country with that warble. But then here it feels like, yeah, she's going into kind of the tradition of the great like 70s pop women singers yeah and it's it feels very grounded in that tradition in a way that's very satisfying and and welcoming and feels like yeah she she understands her place in a history of pop music it's very impressive and very as you said the bounciness and the positivity i i normally don't like the popular songs but this one just as i said i come away with this smile on my face and that is a a joyful thing not to be uh dismissed and another song that we'll play next that also has a very pop feel and a little electronic touch on the production is called 3d girl by this song's interplay of the arpeggiator and the guitar. And I think the arpeggiator is so easy to overdo. And I think here it not only feels organic to the song and it comes in kind of gradually. So we have a first chorus verse chorus where it's not really there. And then what we play is where that comes in before the second verse. And it feels completely natural and kind of it gives it this nice texture underneath. But then it later in the song it actually becomes an, a melodic instrument and there's this almost the feeling of a guitar arpeggiator duet that is something i did a not expect to hear and b did not expect to enjoy but this song is it has this strange refrain my girl is three-dimensional and it's invites you to project meaning and it has this very spacey futuristic sound and it's wide open meaning wide open sound and it takes you on a ride that is just super fun. Yeah, I, I feel like there are a lot of interesting electronic elements all over this song and the way that there's effects on her voice and her voice is doubled in some parts and there's kind of a 
a stutter stop on her vocals and on the guitar in places and it's a really interesting combination of organic and electronic that doesn't detract from the power of her voice and the it, it doesn't make it sound like less of a step a song i think that if i had any criticism of this album is it sounds too much like a car seat headdress album if you take out the vocals but you can definitely feel will toledo's fingerprints on this because I think there he does the same thing on a lot of Carsey Headrest songs as far as taking an organic sort of acoustic sound and then adding electronic elements that make it a little bit more interesting and give yeah. more texture. I do want to call out here that she did keep the same drummer Ryan Clancy from her first album and he's not as showy mm-hmm. as the other two members of the band but he does a remarkable job of keeping the energy level very high and it's very meaty drumming that suits the, I think, the aggressiveness and the bigness and the anger of a lot of these songs. And I think he's not demanding attention, but I do want to call attention to him because he's doing a very good job of providing a platform for these other two artists to perform and do wonderful work. But it is true that yeah, the car seat headrest influence is there a little bit, but it is nice that he mostly keeps himself in the background. And I think there's one or two songs where he does backing vocals and in only one song does he step to the foreground and it really becomes a duet between these two artists. And that's the next song we'll play called Sweet Sweet Minute. I saw you in a dream, Jordy. I think some part of you lingers. You held on to my hand so tight. of the record and it's about the sudden death of a close friend that sort of inspired Steph Chura to want to make a record because you know she kind of realized that we don't have forever in life and if she wanted to do this she needed to move it forward and while it is inspired by that experience in her life and is clearly very personal it's one of three tracks where Will Toledo despite his influence on the album only has songwriting credit for three of the songs which is this 3d girl and then trumble a song we won't play and it is a wonderful collaboration between these two voices hearing them together it feels like a warm if vaguely unsettling blanket and i 
especially like where it ends that's the end of the section we played where they're both kind of howling mm-hmm. uh, howling into the void with their different very different voices one kind of going high one going low taking turns or together and it's really pretty and inspiring and it is also musically very dense Mm -hmm. i think that it's the closest to being maybe an overwrought song on the record it's one of a lot of different phases and i think if it had gone on as long as it did in the same vein that would have been difficult but the fact that it changes a lot over the course of the song i think is what makes it interesting lots of different guitar tones lots of weird little synth bloops um and uh will toledo is credited with playing quote piano and the inside of a piano yeah there's some sounds that are layered on top of other sounds that are layered on top of other sounds and i think i'll need to make a bunch more listens to this with the best headphones i can find to really piece through those but it's a fun listen and i especially i I think there's not a lot of synthetic percussion on this record and this is one of the tracks where it jumps out there's all these weird little hiccupy percussions and different kinds of synthetic sounds that are if they were all over the album i think it would be pretty unpleasant but here it's a nice change of pace and it's just part of the entire album having a remarkable variety of different sounds songs that are short songs that are long songs that are fast and slow and different how much synth how the synths are used and it is part of a fun listen to have that variety for sure thematically i like the fact that this is a song about death but it's treated in a way that gives the distance of it it could be kind of over sad and overwrought but instead it takes the distance and turns it into a more positive song and the the subject of the song is actually her friend coming to her in a dream and talking to her and it feeling like a lightness from that and i really like that that was the approach that she took in writing the song yeah the ability to balance so many elements and make it feel effortless is uh, it's a hallmark of this record it's it's certainly something that is why this record is one uh, that i think i will come back to even after we're talking about it for this show sometimes you know i'll listen to a record and it after a couple of weeks with it that was enough mm-hmm. and i might like it but this one I, it does feel like it has that heft it has the the sweetness the sweet and the sour together mm-hmm. it's a, a nourishing meal that's just very delicious and uh i think in that vein i'll we'll move on to the next song we're gonna play it's the penultimate track and it's called will they'll never
this song is a good use of repetition where the very first thing we hear is they'll never tear this place apart and that's the end of the song is that same lyric and we each verse starts with that repeated even as it goes to other places as well and i think it it lets us as listeners feel very anchored in the song even as it seems to be a song that's very much about feeling your roots about like that this is my place and they're not going to get it and i i feel rooted here and maybe that's the power of reading an interview with about how she was based in Detroit, thinking of leaving, and then uh, found love with someone in Detroit and said, oh, I'm going to stay and recorded the album in Detroit, which is pretty great. And I guess got engaged after the album came out. And so it's all very sweet that she has her roots in this town and is making great music in this town. And we can uh, share in the joy of that. Yeah, and I, I really like this track. It's such a joyful song to sort of come towards the end of the record the the record actually ends with a cover and so this is the last original song and i think it's a great way to finish her statement of if if you know we're obviously reading meaning into it but if that is her thematic intent that she's made this record here she stayed and she made this record and like this is kind of a statement about where she where she belongs yeah it's acknowledging i think it's a it's a clear-eyed optimism which we hear in that chorus of, you know, sorrow in your sigh, forget we're getting by, that you can kind of sign like, oh, it's so tough. But yeah, but we're surviving, we're making it work and we're living. And that in itself is a triumph. And it's not, uh, it's not a fairy tale. It's real life. It's adult work by an artist who has something to say and has both the voice, the guitar and the collaborators to make it a reality and share it with the world. Yeah, I'm really glad that people, obviously, Will Toledo and others at Saddle Creek have recognized her potential and wanted her to do more with her sound. And if you listen to the original version of They'll Never that you can listen to on her Bandcamp page, it's just much more simplistic and not as not as kind of fierce as this version is. And I feel like by putting out this record and going through the process of recording and collaborating with Will Toledo, she is finding her voice more and feeling confident about stretching in new ways. And that's very exciting because she's obviously a very talented singer songwriter. It's an inspiring addition to 2019, which continues to be an interesting year for sure. And I, I think I had misgivings about this one at first because it, her voice, uh, it is an upfront cost of its demands a lot, but it also has a lot to offer once you are prepared to meet it. And I think I'm glad I did. And I hope that y'all check it out and yeah, <laughs> make so, the same decision. So the record ends, as I said, with a cover, which is a kind of an odd choice to have this be your final track. But it's and it's also a weird choice of song, which is Billy Idol's Eyes Without a Face, which is such a sonically of its moment, very synthy production song. But to the extent that this whole record has kind of a 80s or not an 80s, but a new wavy production that doesn't sound throwbacky, I think it fits, especially because of the way that she really transforms the song into her own sound. Yeah, it's. She says, well, this is an 80s, so I'm going to make it timeless. I'm going to make mm-hmm. it my own and give it back to the world. Yeah, So we'll go out with that. We, we've been discussing Steph Chura's second album, Midnight, and you've been listening to For the Record. Thanks so much for listening. Um.
One more bad dream could bring the fall. When I'm far from home, don't call me on the phone to tell me you're alone. It's easy to deceive. Is it? Without.